Well, hello, Miss Katalik. Hello again, Miss Isla. Thanks for being here on my front porch. My new favorite place to be. <laughs> We've got little Topo here under our feet, chewing on a bone. Another beautiful, slow, lazy day out here in Sierraville, it seems. It's like time stops. Mm. It's nice to slow down with the story on the front porch. It sure is. Once again, I think it's probably my favorite thing to do as of late. Mm. Especially now that we're reading these stories about Tall and Nooms or Noom and, <laughs> and <laughs> Millie, Millie Tinkle. Tinkle. <laughs> Millie Tinkle. Hmm. Okay, so last time we heard about why Nooms or Noom needs Tall to come join him on his journey. And they're heading back to Troom together. That's that's how we our chapter ended, right? They they disappeared from Martuna as Nooms or Noom took a handful of gold and scattered it into the streets to distract the townspeople. And then Nooms or Noom and Millie Tinkle and Tall all began their journey on the way to Troom. It sounds as if we're going to be hearing a lot of amazing stories from Nooms or Noom. What do you think, Miss Isla? Mm, yeah, he said he collected stories from all over the world that he's going to share with Tall. And Tall, he needs to pick just one, right? That's right. And hopefully he does pick the right one because what happens if he does? I can't remember. Oh, Nooms or Noom will go to jail. Oh my gosh, that's right. Wow, that's a lot of pressure for Tall. I think that Tall, being who he is, will choose the right story. Hmm, let's find out. The road that Tall, Noomzor Noom, and Millie Tinkle took led up the side of a steep mountain. All morning they went along it. They saw nothing, only rocks and trees, and far, far below, the shining sea. At first, Noomzor Noom was rather quiet, but when they'd gone a good distance and were well away from Martuna, he began to talk and ask Tall about questions from his life, and Tall, in turn, asked him about where they were going and what they were going to do. In this way, they walked on side by side. <coughs> chatting and talking for all they were worth. Millie Tinkle followed behind without saying a word. But by the way she pricked up her ears and turned them forward and made the little bells tinkle, it was quite clear that she missed nothing of what was being said. At last, after they had climbed for many hours, they came to a great wall of snow and ice. The wall was so high that not even the tallest man in the world could look over the top. And in the wall, there was a gate where the road went through. Here, Noomzor Noom stopped and said to Tall, Before we go any further, you must have a coat, because it will be cold on the other side of the wall. He reached under the golden cloth that covered the crystal block and pulled out a white fur coat that was exactly the right size for the boy. Tall put it on, and when he felt how warm it was, he said, I'll be warm enough. How about Millie Tinkle? Don't worry about her, said the old man. You watch and see what happens to her when we go through the gate. 
and when we get on the other side of the wall, don't be afraid of what you see. Stay close to me. Nothing will harm you. After the old man had spoken, they started to go through the gate. As they went, Millie Tinkle's fur grew longer and longer until, by the time they'd passed through, she had fur as long as thick as that worn by a polar bear. So Tall did not have to worry about her being cold. On the other side of the wall, they found themselves in a country that was all white. As they were going along the road, a white leopard sprang out from behind a white rock and roared and asked, who are you and why do you come to my country? Nooms or Noom said, I am on my way back to Troom, where I live. The leopard said, it is my business to stop people from going to Troom. That is what I'm here for. How am I, no how am I to know you really live there? When the leopard spoke these words, Nooms or Noom took out his two green eyes and handed them to the animal. The leopard asked, what color? Nooms or Noom said, red. So the leopard bounded off and went back behind his rock, where he had a lot of eyes of many different colors. He picked out a pair of red ones and brought them back to the old man. The old man took the eyes and put them in his head. They fitted exactly. When the leopard saw that the eyes belonged to the old man, he said nothing more. He went back to his rock and let Nooms or Noom, Millie Tinkle, and Tall go on their way. After they'd left the leopard a good way behind, Tall said to Noom Zornoom, Why did you give that leopard your eyes? Mine don't come out that way. I had to do it, said the old man. Otherwise, he would not have let us pass. But didn't it hurt? asked Tall. No, said the old man. My eyes are made to come out. Millie Tinkle flapped her ears. The little golden bells tinkled, and she said, If your eyes were made to come out, it would not hurt to take them out. I suppose not, said Tall. Mine are not made that way. That doesn't mean someone else's can't be, said the donkey. Wouldn't it be awful if we were all the same? I suppose it would, said Tall. I hadn't thought of it that way. It's a lot to think about, said Millie Tinkle. And she spoke no more. All that afternoon they walked through the white country. They saw no villages, no houses, no people of any kind. But they did see many animals. White bears, white wolves, white tigers, and white lions came to the side of the road and watched them pass. And Tall wondered at these animals, for he had never seen such tame animals before. He wanted to stop and talk with them, but Nooms or Noom would not let him, saying that they had far to go and must get to the other side of the country before night. So they walked on and on, without once stopping to rest or eat. Just as evening came, they arrived again to a wall with a gate in it, and near the gate was an inn. Here they stopped for the night. The inn was owned by a white horse, and when the horse saw Nooms or Noom, he came out from the inn and greeted him, saying, You have been gone a long time. Did you find the stories you wanted? Nooms or Noom said, I have heard many stories, and I am bringing Tall with me, that he may hear them. The one he likes best, I shall tell. When Tall heard what Nooms or Noom said to the horse, he was proud. He stood up straight and held his hands by his side and smiled with the corners of his mouth. Then the horse stepped over and shook hands with him. After that, they all went into the inn and had supper. Now, this horse knew all about the golden door, for Nooms or Noom had told him when he stayed at the inn many months before. 
In the meanwhile, the horse had been waiting for the old man to come back. And he was happy to see him again. He asked him many questions about where he'd been and what he'd seen. And Noom Zernoom told him all. Then the horse asked, Do you think you will be able to open the golden door? Noom Zernoom said, That I do not know. I have many stories. I hope that one of them should please the door. If not, I shall have to go to prison and spend the rest of my life in chains. King Tazarin will have no mercy. At these words, the horse felt sad. He did not want his friend to go to prison. He said, Tell us one of your stories. If it is good, I shall tell you so. If not, you will know that it has not pleased me. And Tal said, Oh, yes, please tell us one. If I don't like it, I will say so. Noomzar Noom and got up and went over to the side of the room where the block of black crystal was. He lifted it up and carried it over and set it down on the table. Then he took off the cloth that covered it. When he did this, Tal saw, saw that all one side of the block was covered with many lines of small writing. It was so small that Tal could not read it. Even if he could, it would not have done him any good, for it was in a language he did not understand. Just the same, he wondered what it was. So he asked, What's all that writing on the side of the block? Nooms or Noom said, Everywhere, when I heard a good story, I wrote it down in golden letters on this block. These are the stories from which you must choose. Before we get to Troom, you will have heard them all. Tal asked, But... Where did you write? What did you write them down with? Noom Zarnoom simply said, With gold paint. You haven't got any gold paint with you, said, uh, said Tall. Well, where is it? Then Noom Zarnoom slid out one end of the crystal block and showed Tall how it was all hollow inside. He reached in and took out a jug of gold paint and a tiny brush. While he was doing this, Tall peeked in and saw a silver wand and a golden ball. That was all he had time to see before the old man slid back the end and closed it up. Then he held up the jug and brush and said, I write with these. Tall asked, what language do you write in? In a language that only I can read, said Noom Zornum. Why do you do that? asked Tall. Then Millie Tinkle, who had been talking with the horse, turned around and said, Well, why shouldn't he? I don't know, said Tall. That isn't what I asked. I want to know why he should. Because there's no reason why he shouldn't, said the donkey. That is why he does it. Then the only reason for doing anything is because there's no reason why you shouldn't, said Tall. Is that what you mean? Exactly, said the donkey. Well, not always, said Noom Zornum. Sometimes there's a very good reason why you should, and the reason is that I didn't want anyone else to be able to read these stories. I want them all to myself. That's what I thought, said Tall. Then why did you ask? asked Millie Tinkle. Well, because I wasn't sure, said Tall, and I wanted to find out. After that, the donkey said nothing more. Noom Zornum carefully put the jug and the brush back inside the crystal block in such a way that Tall did not have a chance to look in it again. Then Tall, Millie Tinkle, and the horse all sat down around the table while Noom Zornum read one of his stories. He read them the first one, the one right up at the top of the crystal block. The story was called 
the enchanted tapestry. Far away, in a country that was all mountains, there lived a beautiful princess named Azur. Like all of the rest of the people who lived in that country, Azur lived on the top of a mountain. But the mountain that she lived on was different from the other mountains. In the first place, it was much higher than any of the rest. Then, instead of being made of rocks and snow like most mountains, it was made of silver. Of course, it was very, very pretty, and it shone and sparkled in the sunlight. But its sides were so polished and so slippery that no one could go either up or down them. Azor had lived on the mountain as long as she could remember. None of the other people knew how she got there. Often they would see her walking around the top of the mountain, but that was all they knew about her. Even Azor did not know who brought her there. The most she knew was that when she was a baby, a great bird had come and picked her out of her cradle. That was all she remembered. So of course she thought that the bird had carried her off and left her on top of the mountaintop. Up where Azor lived, things were different from any place else in the world. It was always warm and sunny, and it never rained. On this account, she did not need a house, for she could always live out in the fields and in the woods. When night came, she did not have to be afraid of anything. She just lay down in a cave or under a tree or on the grass and went to sleep. The trees were not like our trees. They were all made of crystal with emerald leaves. The fruit they bore was of precious stones, rubies, diamonds, sapphires, and many other kinds. And the grass itself was not green, but a beautiful yellow because it was all thin blades of gold. Even the flowers were made of many, many different jewels, and they all grew on silver stems. In the midst of all of this beauty, Azur lived alone. She had no friend to play with and no one to talk to. She did not even have the fun of eating, for she was never hungry. Of course, she grew like any other person, but she did not have eating to do with it. Often, after she had been playing all day, Azor would be lonely. When she was that way, she used to go and sit by the edge of a lovely mountain pool. There she would sit for hours, gazing into the depths of the clear water and wishing she had someone to play with. One day, when she was looking into the water, she saw, far down in the deepest part of the pool, a pair of hands. They were not nice-looking hands, for they were too large, and the fingers were long and bony. Just the same, they were someone's hands, and this amazed Azur, who could not understand how anyone could live at the bottom of a pool. She looked at them so hard and put her face so close to the water that she almost fell in but she could see nothing more than just the hands. That night, Azor hardly slept at all. All she could think of was the hands in the bottom of the pool. All she wanted to do was to run back and look at them, but she could not see them in the dark. As soon as the sun came up, Azor ran to the pool, and there were the hands. But this time, instead of being empty, they were holding a large piece of tapestry. This surprised Azor very much. And she was more surprised when she saw that the hands picked up a golden needle and started to work on the tapestry. They worked nimbly and with greatest care, making each stitch as nearly perfect as possible. 
Azor watched until her eyes could see no more, and then she went to sleep sitting right there on the edge of the pool. After this, every day, all day long, Azor did nothing but look at the tapestry. Of course, it grew very slowly, for the workmanship was of the finest kind. But it did grow, and the first thing to be finished was the figure of a young prince. He had red hair and blue eyes, and he wore a sword at his side. Azor no sooner saw him than she wanted him for a friend. It would be so nice to have someone to play with, and the prince was just the person she wanted. But it did her no good, for he was at the bottom of the pool, and she had no way of going down to get him. One morning, when Azor went to the pool, she saw that the water was bubbling and boiling as if a fire had been lighted underneath it. She could not understand this at all, because until then the water had always been so calm. She looked down into it, and at first could see nothing. Then she caught a glimpse of one of the hands. It was moving and flying about as if struggling with something. The faster it moved, the more the water stirred and seethed. So Azur knew that a terrible struggle was going on down below, and she was sure that she would never see the prince again. Hard as she looked, she could make nothing out at all clearly. This broke her heart, and she sat down and began to cry. She had given up all hope of ever seeing the prince, when all of a sudden, the tapestry, with the golden needle sticking in one corner, floated to the surface of the pond. After it came a lot of threads. At once, without even taking off of her clothes, Azor jumped into the water, grabbed the tapestry and the threads, and swam back to shore with them. After she dried her clothes in the tapestry by hanging them on a crystal tree, she got dressed and sat down to look at the prince. She thought how nice it would be if he were only alive. She touched him and spoke to him, but he never said a word. She even pinched him once to see if he would squeal. And when he did not, she pinched him harder and harder, but not a sound came out. So she made up her mind that he was not much of a playmate after all. Hazur, of course, was bitterly disappointed to find that the prince was not alive. So, for want of anything better to do, she made up her mind to finish the tapestry. Day after day she worked on it, until her fingers grew sore. First she put in a stream, then a pond, then a castle, then some woods, then a wild boar, and finally a lot of hunters and many other people. Every figure she made she tried to do just as beautifully as the prince was done. In this way she spent a great deal of time, and was quite happy. After a year of constant work, she at last finished all except a small piece in one corner. This piece she hated to do, for she knew that once the tapestry was finished, she would have nothing else to pass the time with. So she took only one stitch every day. At this rate she went on until but one stitch was left. Then she thought to herself, I shall take the tapestry to my favorite spot and there finish it. She poked everything up and went to the side of a stream that ran through a wooded dell. There she sat down on her favorite rock, took the golden needle, and pulled the last bit of thread through the tapestry. As she pulled it tight, what was her surprise to see the prince step out and sit down on the rock beside her? Azur was too excited to say, say, say anything. She sat in silence and gazed at her new friend. "'You have saved me,' said the prince." Now I will give you whatever you wish. But who are you? Azur asked, still too surprised to know what had happened. I am Bamba, said the prince. How did you get in the tapestry? asked Azur.
Then Bamba told her that a terrible ogress lived in the side of the mountain, and that this ogress was in the habit of stealing children and sewing them into tapestries. What made the ogress let you go? asked Azur, who could hardly believe that she had heard this. It must have been my father who came and killed her, said Bamba. I can't think of anything else. After they'd talked for a while, and Bamba had told all about what had happened to him, he asked Azur how she got on this mountaintop, and all that Azur could tell him was about a bird. When Bamba heard this story, he knew at once that Azur was his sister, for his father had often told him about how she had been stolen by a bird. So they hugged each other and were very happy. The first thing in the mind of each of them was how they could get back to their home. Azur was so excited that she was not much of use in thinking up a plan, but Bamba knew at once what to do. He had Azur lead him to the woods, and there was his sword, so he cut down a crystal tree. After he had taken all the branches off, he made out of the trunk a sled that was just big enough to hold them both. Then he picked two diamond pears and put them on the front of the sled for lights. By the time this was done, the day was nearly over. So dragging their sled behind them, they hurried to the edge of the mountain. There they stopped, while Bamba showed Azor how she was to sit in the front of the sled and hold on with all her might. She did as he told her. Then Bamba gave the sled a push from behind and jumped on. And off they went down the side of the silver mountain. Faster and faster they went. The wind whistled by their faces and blew Azor's hair far out behind her. The diamond pairs shone like two very bright stars and lit up the mountainside for a great distance around. All that night they coasted, and all the next day. Not once did they stop, but always they went down, down, down. At last, when the day was almost over, they came to the foot of the mountain. There they spent the night in a cave that Bamba knew about. They hid the sled away somewhere that they could find it again, and set out to climb the mountain on which their home was. Their father and mother could not believe their eyes when they saw them coming. They welcomed them and showed great joy to have them back again. Then Azur told her story, and Bamba told his. And after they were both done, their father told him how he had slain the terrible ogress that stole children. That night, Azur and Bamba had everything they liked best for supper. They stayed with their parents, and have lived happily ever after since. When Noom Zornum finished this story, he asked what they thought of it. The horse was so pleased that he could not say enough in its praise. And Tall, who'd been listening to every word, begged Noom Zornum to go on and read another. But the old man was tired. He put the golden cloth back over the crystal block and said, There is not time for another tonight. We must go to bed now, for we have to be up early in the morning. Millie Tinkle flapped her ears. The little bells tinkled, and she said, I'm not going to bed. I'm going to sit up and talk with the horse. I haven't seen him for a long time, and I have many things to tell him. All right, said the old man. Do as you wish, but Tall has to go to bed. So Millie Tinkle stayed downstairs. The horse showed Noom Zornum and Tall to their room. They went to bed and slept that night at the inn.